people who are just starting out take those jobs. Just do it. Just do everything you can without going insane. And, and <laughs> you know, I don't know. You may not have a social life for a while, but, you know, eventually you will. Eventually you can say no. I, I, I worked weekends for years. You know, uh, one of my clients said, well, what's, what's your rush rate? I said, I don't have a rush rate. Everything's rush. I drop everything as soon as your work comes in. Hey guys, and welcome to the Tofugu podcast. My name is Jamal. I'm Kristen. And today we have with us the illustrious, and you can introduce yourself. <laughs> Nora Stevens Heath. A translator with Hi. tons of credits, tons of experience, and it's just here today to chat with us about the business and kind of give us her insight. Yep. Hi, it's good to be here. Hi, Hi everybody. So when before we start, do you want to um, kind of say... Um, how long you've been doing this, um, the kind of work that you've done, maybe some examples people would know of, of the work. Yeah, sure. I, I started translating actually right out of college, uh, which is, uh, gosh, uh, a while ago now, but um, I was doing some stuff in-house, very boring things, um, working for a brake pad company, which was, uh. so, and finally I got, uh, I looked around and I found um, people looking for translators to do video games and I bit. Because I'd been a fan, I'd played uh, you know Final Fantasies and the Dragon Quest games and lots of video games as a kid, and uh, that was the start of something. I ended up leaving my in-house job to be a full-time freelance translator, uh, specializing in video games, and um, now that's moving a little bit more from video games into anime. Uh, still really fun, lots of uh, dialogue, and I love working. I love doing my job. I love doing what I do. That's like the dream. I think everybody I met in, in college was like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go straight into. Well, maybe not break pads, but I'm going to go straight into translating <laughs> games. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. And I'm not going to get paid for playing video games. Well, mm -hmm. I do. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that that is really cool. <laughs> and now I get paid. Now I get paid to watch anime. It just means I can't do any of it in my free time. Mm because I'm too busy doing it for work. For work. <laughs> it's like the the curse of when you're in school for something you never get to read books anymore because you have so many books to read for school. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Good problems. <laughs> so how did you um when you were in school when you were studying I assume you studied Japanese in school. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever take any classes on translation specifically? No, I didn't. Um, my classes were just, I started teaching myself Japanese in high school, uh, majored in Japanese and in linguistics at the uh, University of Michigan. But I took, um, I took classes in Japanese literature for the major, but never actually on, on translation. But it was in college that I started working on the Final Fantasy V fac with Chris Kohler and Tat Nakao. So that is where I kind of taught myself the translation of the game and I worked on the manual and, and that sort of stuff. That's really where I got into translation and uh, translating Final Fantasy series song lyrics, mm. uh, that sort of thing. But um, so I was doing translation in college, but I never really had classes in, in the translation process itself. And how um, you said you did an in-house translation job right out of college for yes. break pads. Now, the, the, a lot of people email us and ask, how do I become a translator? And a lot of the time we have to say, you know, like, 
doing technical translations the way in. That's how you make the money to start. Right. Um, what was that job like? <laughs> Uh, it was really boring because it's, <laughs> I mean, it's technical. This is not the stuff I'm, I'm interested in. It, it was pretty dead. Right. I mean, the, it was, by that, I mean, it wasn't a living document. It didn't, it didn't sing, you know, not mm -hmm. to sound, you know, weird and poetic about it, but you know, it's, it's, it's manuals and this machine, you know, you press this button when the machine acts up and then you know, press this button to reset it. Right, right. And I'm like, this, I can't do this my whole life. This is so boring. It sounds pretty bad. It um, was, it was pretty soul crushing. I mean, on the other hand, you know, it's a nine to five job. You have your weekends. It's, you know, yeah. I was salaried. I had benefits yeah. and, you know, being freelance is not quite that plush, but you have, you know, you have different, um, different perks. That's all. Yeah. Here's something that I'm, sure people want to know what's the it, that was probably the worst the the least amount of fun that you had translating what project was the most fun like do you have a specific um anime or game that you were just like yes this is like the dream i love this so much all of this flows really well do you have like the project uh i think there are two that kind of come at different stages in my career uh one my dream was to work for Square, mm. um, and it was Square at the time. Uh, so when I joined the Japan Association of Translators, I got my name in their directory, and I had a hit in my directory from somebody at Square who wanted me to work for them, and I lost it. I mean, this is it. This was my dream, and it yeah. was coming true. Um, so this was some time ago because the project was Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh. So that kind of gives you a general time yeah. frame. Such a but, good game, you know, though. and they, I worked on it for, I think, maybe nine months total. Uh, they flew me out to Japan for a month to work on the, um, the QA segment of it. It was really, I mean, it was hard work, but in a sense, it really was a dream come true. Now, you fast forward however many years, and um, the people at Funimation said, well, hey, there's this new, new project coming up. You want to work on a Fascination classroom. I'm like, oh, it looks okay. <laughs> I adore it. I absolutely adore it. Yeah. I still do. I mean, I've got a Koro Sensei on my desk. I've got another <laughs> little Koro Sensei. I've got like, you know, bits of him everywhere. I've got a calendar on my wall. I just, I really, really like it a lot. And, um, you know, I still hear the songs, you know, a particular song from that show that I call mm. the saddest song ever written. And it still makes me tear up, oh. you know, and I finished that like a, a, a year ago, I think last month. So that I think was also a really good, um, really good project to work on. And the people I worked with at Funimation too are, are really excellent. And I feel I'm in a, a, an excellent place with them. I enjoy working with them. I feel there's a lot of mutual respect and I appreciate that. So what exactly, um, people might not know, um, when you say you translate Assassination Classroom and, and anime like that, what exactly are you doing? Are you doing subtitle, subtitles for it or are you, are you doing it for the dubs to be read? Something like that? Well, the um, uh, originally they are, the first round basically is to translate the, um, is to create subtitles. Mm -hmm. So I translate based on the videos and also the scripts together. And I also time them. Uh, mostly I just set set a start time and, and uh, the people who know better than I how long a subtitle should stay on the screen mm -hmm. put in the end time. But um, those subtitles then go out in the um, simulcast um, showing of whatever video it is, whatever series it is. And then the 
dubs are based on those subtitles. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, you know, they're not always exactly the same. And I leave notes sometimes saying, well, you know, this is said in a certain way or the script says that he's, you know, sounds very sad when he's saying this or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the general process that happens for, for all of my subtitling jobs. That's really cool. I did not know that. <laughs> um, I think, I think we've talked to a lot of people who've done, um, like kind of video game translation, but not so much the anime sign. Um, right, so right. it's kind of neat hearing how those subtitles that you read on the screen actually do have an effect, at least in the present day with simulcasts and things like that. Yeah. Um, on the actual dubbing that you hear when you listen in English. Yeah, it's and I I don't really watch dubs and I mean not to be a snob about it, but I, <laughs> I my son is he's almost eleven. He's been watching you know subs as long as he's been able to read and you know, yeah. uh, but it, it's it the whole process was so different to me from from doing video game translation, which you probably have heard is mostly filling out an Excel file. Mm-hmm. Um, this is so different. Um, it's in a way it's almost a throwback to the old days of video games where you had to watch your length you know you had to see how long it was going to be because it was not going to fit on the screen that's less of a problem in video Mm. games now but it's still very much a problem in subtitling and and dubbing too because you know you see people talk too fast to try to get a line in or whatever um so these are the kinds of things you still have to look at at length of lines when you're working on that kind of thing Mm. so in that sense it's kind of like coming home (laughs) Um, that's really cool. Now, I, I am kind of curious. Um, you were saying that this is completely different from working on games. Yeah. How, how, cause you were working on games for a really long time, right? Like right. a good, almost a, I don't want to say a decade to be. No, I feel yeah, like, no, yeah. A decade. Um, yeah. <laughs> but have you seen with, with the, this is kind of the negative side of translation, but with the rise of scanlations and groups that are trying to kind of do it themselves and kind of circumnavigate the whole published side of things, how have you seen the evolution of translation for games and anime and all this stuff? How has it changed? Because you've you've been in it for a while and you've probably seen yeah. some changes. Ah, uh, you know... I was probably more in the video game side of it. But then again, when I was working on that, the Final Fantasy V fact, low these many years ago, I mean, th- there was no English version of the game. There was no English, you know, f- you know, fan version of the game. There was nothing. Hmm. So um, in that sense, you know, I was kind of part of the, you know, pirating thing. Well, if you can get your hands on this Japanese game, look, we'll tell you how to play it in English. Hmm. Um you know, and then of course all the ROMs came out and those had patches and all that sort of thing. Um, and I don't see, I think I came into anime too late, came into working on it too late to be able to speak to how that has affected what I do. And I don't watch, like I said, I don't watch a lot of anime. I'm time off because I'm time off. I'm like, last thing I want to do is touch anything that smells of work, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't. I don't know that I can speak to that too much, except I. I feel, and I and I may be kidding myself. I feel that people appreciate that if if the professionals are going to do it, either wait till the professionals are going to do it, or you know, see how the fans run it through real quick, and then when the professionals come out with it, they will still stop and see what you know what the uh, what the the big guys have to say about it. Because right. they, I think, I feel, I hope. 
<laughs> that they expect that um, you know a big translation firm, a media firm will do a better job. But maybe not. That wasn't much of an answer, and I'm sorry. No, <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> it's interesting to see that. Uh, I, I wonder if you had been working in anime the whole time, if you would feel more strongly about it. Because um, we've had some people get really grumpy, but it makes me think like, wow, games really aren't being, I don't want to say exploited isn't the right word. It, it It's not being um, kind of taken by the fan community as mm. much. Mm, uh, yeah, maybe so. So maybe, I don't know, that's interesting. I think more people try to play the game, play games in Japanese rather than just... You know, well, I I, I need so. to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and people are just like, I'm just going to try it. I don't, like, I even was watching something on YouTube, and these people are like, I don't know which one of these, which option is multiplayer. I don't know. Is it this one? Let's try. <laughs> and it's like, they're, okay, well, they're willing to jump in with both feet and not, you know, not know where they're going. And I, you know, if it's a significant, you know, a top-tier game, I don't know how soon they would get frustrated. Right. <laughs> you know, because it's not a whole lot of fun playing too far through a game that you don't understand if it's you know any more complicated than tetris or something but yeah i certainly couldn't do it i don't know if i could either now that i'm thinking about it if i didn't know anything but you know but it's knows? great practice for That's when you want to like practice <laughs> you know, japanese that, i say that but i honestly did teach myself a lot of japanese playing final fantasy 4 and 5 in japanese at home with a, a kanji dictionary do you remember which kanji dictionary it was I'm saying this because I like them. and I'm Oh, um, it was a little orange one. A little orange Does that one. help at all? No. We'll, start, we'll, we'll, <laughs> okay. start, the, we'll start the exhaustive no, hunt no, immediately for the orange kind of dictionary. That's where it is downstairs, but I, I, won't, I won't look for I'm it. Just, it's, just, it's a I'll dumb curiosity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, so you really got into games with Final Fantasy then, huh? Because I, I, I know did. a lot uh, of us did, but... Yeah, well, I never had a regular Nintendo, but I did have a Super Nintendo, but I would always go over to my friends' houses and watch them play mm. mm-hmm. Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest. All, I mean, I loved watching people play video games. And then when I got my Super Nintendo, I would play them myself. Oh, man, like Twitch must be a godsend to you. Because that's just, that's all, that's all <laughs> games all the time, 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm curious. This is another kind of, just kind of curious question. Um, okay. If you could go back in time, let's say, and translate any game, anime, whatever, that hadn't been translated yet, if you could be like, I am the face of this translation, would it be a Final Fantasy game or would it be something else? No. No? <laughs> what would it be? No. Um, okay, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If I if I can look back and say, okay, I'm going to try to restate your question. Okay. If I could look back and say, man, let me in at the ground flo- floor of that, franchise or something yes you know um i would want to be uh working on dragon quest yeah oh geez yeah dragon (laughs) quest (laughs) absolutely and um and i look at it now you know and these i've worked on a couple final fantasy games now with square and i always think can you just put me on a dragon quest game (laughs) but i know i know it's such a um it's so rich and it's come up you know all these years 10 11 games now just in the main series itself and, you know, they have all their own vocabulary and all their own, but it's so rich and it's so fun and it does not take itself very seriously. And even though I started out with Final Fantasy, I am I am absolutely a Dragon Quest fan now. Um, I haven't played a Final Fantasy game since I played six. Um, oh, I played about 10 minutes of seven. My heart. I, I only played the Japanese version because I refused to play the English version. 
Um, I'm the resident Dragon Quest head in the yeah. office, and so I'm, I'm I, yeah. excited to hear that. <laughs> I, I'm on the fi- Final Fantasy side. I, d- I did play a Dragon Quest. It was for a DS years ago. Gotta play I don't know, maybe 10 years gotta ago. Play, gotta play 8. That's the masterpiece. Man, they're just, they're really, they're they are fun. God, they're so fun. They yeah. just don't take themselves so seriously, and I appreciate that. Not at all. Yeah, and every time I play one, I go, oh, man, that is a sweet pun. I like that, you know? Yeah, and I know a lot complain about the you know the accents and the dialect that they put in there but ah, i i like it i find it part of its charm yeah we had a we had matt i think we had matt alt on and he did some oh yeah dragon quest translation and i definitely had to ask him some questions just about the the limit to how many puns that they just throw at that game just constantly like (laughs) there's got to be some sort of like limit or something (laughs) before it reaches like peak pun and before it just it's like a pun every second like text screen or something yeah <laughs> so that's like the ideal like if you could work on anything it would be like heck yeah i want to work on like a huge rpg i want it to be full of puns and have tons of its own vocabulary yeah and 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 uh, just rich dialogue mm-hmm. you know i think that's that's really what draws me you know now to anime and how it's mm. it's people talking you know the funny thing is you know growing up here in michigan it's not i did not have a lot of experience with people speaking japanese and so i'm like well i play video games and that way i can see how people talk you know and um and i really just something that rich you know dialogue and again i think the fact that it doesn't take itself very seriously i mean it, yeah there's some serious um themes in a dragon quest game there's serious stuff going on in assassination classroom too but it still doesn't take itself super, super seriously. Um, and it's there's plenty of goofy, there's plenty of puns, you know, and then there's heartbreak, you know, in the next 10 minutes. So I enjoy that, yeah. Now, this is a mean question, but does that mean you prefer doing, I mean, obviously dialogue seems to be where it's at, but do you prefer doing anime now over games? Or is it just a completely different animal? That's a very good question. I think... Currently, it is hard for me to answer that because uh, judging on my experiences, it's hard for me to divorce the experience of the last few games I've worked on and the ongoing experience of these of these you know anime series that I work on, which is also in the forefront of my my mind and my memory. Um, I think games are bigger projects, longer projects. Um, they involve a lot of um, coordinating with a lot of people. And in my case, there are a lot of people on the other side of the world. So the time zones aren't perfect. It can be more difficult than one thinks necessary to get some things done and to get uh, you know, even just to get through your own tasks. So I think if you're looking strictly at content, it's a toss up. Uh, if you're looking at more specifically what I'm doing now, with um, anime and the whole workflow and everything, I prefer that to a game. But that having been said, it is nice to have a nice big juicy game that you can sink <laughs> your teeth into and kind of be working on as a, an undercurrent to the ongoing anime thing that is you know due every week. Um, so you have one and it's due in four to five months. It it can be fun. It can be a challenge, but um, it it's not as smooth and easy sometimes Mm. as working with anime can be so with anime you have weekly deadlines because well these shows are obviously coming out well sometimes it's bi-weekly but usually every week what is the deadline like for that like when do you get the whatever actually what do you get how long does it 
take to kind of parse it? And when do you have to send it back? It really depends on the series. Um, usually you get the work, um, you get a script um, pretty far in advance, uh, several weeks, say, at least at least one week in advance, uh, because, of course, they're written first, right? And mm. then maybe four days or so before the deadline, uh, you get the video and, you know, then you hand in your work uh, about three, four days after that. And I think maybe the next morning it's already, you know, in the simulcast. So my schedule is really tied to when the show comes out in Japan. Hmm. And I have to hand it in the day before that so it can be ready to go. As soon as it hits the airwaves in Japan, then they put it on the simulcast. So I have a good, um, I have a good three to four days to work on it, which is enough with this this one I'm working on now. Hmm. Can you tell us what you're working on now, or do you? Are oh you... yeah, it's uh, Monster Hunter Stories Ride On, Ooh. which is a kind of a tie-in with the Monster Hunter series of video games, but it's it's for younger uh, viewers, which makes it you know really nice and easy to play through. I mean, the main characters are you know 12 years old, and hmm. and uh, you can be kind of fun with their with the way they speak and uh, some of the words they use, and it's it's fun and. Um, it flows very well, and I get my stuff on time, and uh, the whole process is is nice and smooth. That sounds really nice. I love the Monster Hunter games, so I I was kind of shocked when I saw that there were little anime to go with them. But I guess that makes yeah. a lot of sense. It's very it's very much that style those games. But well, and it it feels to me like uh, you know I know that the game the main game series does appeal to a wider, you know, age range, but it, it I'm sure it is a lot older mm. than, you know, than this is. So it's almost like, well, if your, you know, big brother, your big sister is playing the Monster Hunter games, then, you know, you can watch this. Yeah, that's really cute. You know, and, it, and it's not exactly a tie in. It kind of takes it from another point of view. So it's, it's um different take on the, on the franchise, I think. Um, I haven't played the games myself, but I know my, um, my Japanese friends are crazy into them. So um, God knows I've had to look at the <laughs> wiki and stuff to get my terms right. <laughs> there are a lot of um, very specific, strange monster names. So yes, I'm sure yes. that's been fun. It's very much so. Yeah. So I'm curious, another thing okay. when working for, uh, so you said that you, um, you were in a translator, um, when you first got contacted by Funimation, it was through some kind of, I want to say like Guild of Translators. It's obviously not right. Oh, um, yeah. they have no, a name. It's, a, it's the Japan Association of Translators. And despite the name, you don't have to be, clearly you don't have to be in Japan to be a member. In fact, uh, you don't even have to be a Japanese translator to be a member. But um, for some reason, there's some people in there who don't work in Japanese at all, which I always found odd. But oh. um, yeah, they... Um, there are lots of member benefits, but one is to put your name in a, a member directory. Mm -hmm. And uh, from that, I mean, I have my my oldest, not just Square, um, probably also Funimation found me there. Um, definitely some of my oldest and best clients uh, found me on that directory. So if anybody out there, I, I used to be on the board of directors. I used to be, um, I was on the board for a while and then I was an auditor for these last four years. I am not anymore. So I have nothing to, to gain by telling listeners that if you're a translator and you'd like to get your name out there and get some, you know, contacts, then you should join the Japan Association of Translators, jat.org. Now, is it is it free for anyone to sign up? Is there like, do you have to, obviously there's, you said there were some people that aren't actually translators in there, but what what are the qualifications? Is it anything? 
Well, it's for translators and interpreters chiefly. Uh, it, it really it's aimed at people who are translating between Japanese and another language, probably you know mm -hmm. English, but it's not a hard and fast kind of thing. Um, I believe it is um, ten thousand yen to join mm -hmm. um, per year. Not bad. Um, nine hundred and ninety, so about a hundred bucks for a year, and one hundred and ninety dollars or nineteen thousand yen uh, for a two-year membership. And it's, I have to say, it's a lot more useful if you're living in Japan because they have a lot of local member um, seminars and meetups and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but really, if all you do is get your name in there, it's it's been a huge, huge help. Not only have I contacted or I have been contacted by a lot of good clients, but I've made a lot of friends. Because when I do go over there, I, I meet up with people and I'm meeting other translators and they are introducing me to people, you know, and it all kind of goes from there. Um, so if there are any aspiring translators, consider joining JAP. I can highly, highly recommend it. And they every year have a translation contest for new and aspiring translators, which is free to try. Uh, we give you uh, English to Japanese or Japanese to English, uh, little um, eh, five paragraphs or so. Translate it, hand it in, and uh, we'll take a look at it. And uh, the winner gets a trip to the yearly conference, which next year is in Osaka, end of June and also one year's uh, membership to JAT. And then we have like a second second place as well, uh, which I think is just the membership. So, uh, and your work gets, uh, you know, the judge looks at your work and criticizes it and gives you some pointers and um, you can really learn a lot from it. So wow, that's, I was gonna say, that sounds like an amazing deal, but even if you're, I guess if anyone listening really wants to get into this business, the best thing you can get back is, is feedback. And I know yeah. a lot of these competitions don't, sometimes they don't give you any feedback. Right, um, right. So that sounds like a win-win situation. Um, go do that, everybody. <laughs> well, I would say the only negative is you have to be like in the top three to get feedback so if you're you know so do your very very cool. very best yes <laughs> and then you'll get feedback you know but uh yeah there's really you have nothing to lose you have nothing to lose and i i will divulge that i am one of the contest screeners which just means <laughs> that i i mean i go through um i go through like all of them and kind of narrow it down to with a couple of other people narrow it down to like the top five or six that the judges then choose from so um but I, I can really, I am clearly, I am not uh, eligible for it anymore. It really is for beginner translators, but I, I really think uh, you could do a whole lot worse. I don't know anywhere else that would, that would give you this kind of opportunity to, I mean, even if it's just flex your muscles and just see what you personally can do. Um, and, and just to give yourself this confidence to work on something. I mean, people say you can get better by doing a practice and stuff. I mean, it's really hard to look around and say, okay, well, I guess I'll translate, um, uh, let's see, uh, that catalog over there. I mean, you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it. Mm. But even if all you do is translate this and say, well, I've done my best and I'm going to send it off now, you have hopefully gotten better by doing that work for a purpose and sending it in. Mm. So very much recommended. Again, go to jet.org and there's uh, lots of information there. And if you want to join or if you want to look, look up information about the contest, that's usually around October, September, October, that the contest information comes out. And it's usually due. We usually announce the winners toward the end of the year. That's coming up. So, yeah, look Keep it an up. eye out. That's the Japan Association of Translators. That's really mm. awesome. 
Now, it sounds like a lot of people think that um, when you freelance, you're kind of off on your own on an island and <laughs> you you kind of have to work really, really, really hard to make contacts. You kind of don't have any friends in the field. And from what we've been able to tell just from this conversation, it sounds completely false. Um, it looks like <laughs> through just through joining chat, um, you've not only found awesome jobs at Funimation, but you've made friends and been able to be a part of a bigger community. So yeah. if, if you could say something to people who are terrified of getting out of their in-house positions, you know, translating manuals and becoming a freelancer, what, what would you say? It can be hard. It can be hard at first. And you are going to be in a place where you are going to have to translate everything that comes your way. Um, and yeah, I didn't start out doing, I, yeah, I did have some game work. That was the thing that really said, all right, that's it. You guys, you know, you could take this job and shove it. But before <laughs> that game job came along, yeah, I did, you know, oh, can you translate this website for some two bit candy company? You know, and I'm not even sure they used it in the end. Oh, can you do this thing for some, you know, resort? And, you know, this for me was, I mean, yeah, it, it, it brought you know brought in some money which is nice it was me kind of you know figuring out how this freelance thing worked again I was still doing my full-time job but at this stage I could also do my freelance work at my full-time job because <laughs> there weren't a lot I mean the manuals there's only so many manuals right yeah so it, it will be scary you are going to have to do a whole lot of work all kinds of work that you may not want to do and then you can start to pick and choose and, you know, get your name out there. Do join chat. Do, you know, look at the Honyaku group. Google Groups um, has a really good uh, mailing list called Honyaku. That is, uh, it's free. Uh, it's a little less um, stringent, I guess, than chat because, again, it's free. Anybody can join. But um, they really do keep the discussion is on topic. There are jobs that come through there. Um, I think that's where my first game job came from. So, always keep an eye out for the stuff you you really want to do your dream job and maybe your dream job is technical and you know even if it's freelance keep an eye out for that but you can't be afraid to do the other stuff along the way and if if you are part of these even virtual communities it really is enough it is for me i don't know i mean i'm i'm not like super super social person <laughs> but uh, you know but it suits me i like working at home um, and then when I have the opportunity to, you know, meet some of my colleagues, I, I relish it. I enjoy it very much. So, and it's not hard. And I have brought up, you know, I have quite a good list now of these people that I also know in real life, which I'd never thought, you know, like, I'm not going to know all these people. They're in Kobe, they're in, they're in Australia, they're, you know, all over the place. Um, but I mean, nowadays, there's the internet you're going to stay connected to people mm. and it's it's not hard to uh it's not hard to do that so now that you know all these people and you have this kind of magical translation community around you <laughs> um do you do you have to kind of like pound the pavement like you used to do or or do you just does jobs just come to you now i am not pounding the pavement because it's mostly because i'm happy with the rate of my work with Funimation right now, which is my chief work. And when I do get other stuff on the side, I, I have enough leeway to take that as well. Again, it's usually from older, um, you know, 
clients I've been with for, you know, 13 years, um, that sort of thing. And I don't go looking. And nowadays, nowadays when I get this, the, um, the uh, like almost clearing houses, the agencies coming to me, I say I'm not, I'm not taking on new clients because, um, you know, I, I, I'm not taking, especially this, these larger places that I took them on. Hey, I took them on back at the beginning. I did, you know, and, and, and now I'm in a place where I can, where I can pick and choose and I don't have the time for that kind of work right now. Um, so, so no, I would say I'm not really pounding the pavement. I'm not really going out there and looking. Um, I'm kind of counting on repeat business from my clients and it may not be a client I worked for last month, but a client I worked for last year, the year before will still remember and come back. And that's, that's the kind of work, um, and the kind of relationships that I treasure and, um, prioritize what where I you- am right now. What did you mean by um, these bigger companies? What is what does that mean? There are just bigger um, agencies. Mm-hmm. A lot of them um, in Europe. Oh, like the third party. With, yeah, it, yeah, oh, they work okay. with like every language. Yep. Um, and especially something someone like that who works with every language may not uh, be familiar with some of the quirks of Japanese, where it's not really by word. You know, you, when you have to like figure out by word or by character and they're like not really familiar with that or um, it's they, you know, a lot of times people, um, people who work with a whole lot of languages try to apply the the rules they know for romance languages, for example, mm. to Japanese, which may not always work. Just, you know, that sort of thing. Or they're used to doing like very, very huge, huge projects and everybody, you know, gets a little piece of it and they need it you know, tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing that. <laughs> and and there was a time I, I, I could and would, but I'm just, I'm not doing that anymore. And now I'll, I will absolutely let and recommend that people who are just starting out, take those jobs, just do it. Just do everything you can without going insane. And, and, <laughs> you know, I don't know, you may not have a social life for a while, but you know, eventually you will. Eventually you can say, no, I, I, I worked weekends for years. You know, I, one of my clients said, well, what's what's your rush rate? I said, I don't have a rush rate. Everything's rush. I drop everything as soon as your work comes in. Please, I have a rush rate now. Absolutely, I have a rush rate. I have a rush rate. I have, you know, if, if something comes in and I just can't read it, you know, I may have to charge more because I cannot work these characters out, you know, if it's a very bad copy or something and they mm-hmm. simply cannot get me anything better. You know, I think a lot of people when they're starting out will you know, are, are gritting their teeth. I mean, even in a, you know, retail environment, an office environment, they're just gritting their teeth and saying, I'm just going to get through this and then I can do what I, what I want to do. And the good news about translation is, you know, you're gritting your teeth and you are getting through it and it leads to what you want to do. If, I mean, if you, what you want to do is translation, it will get you to, you know, where you can be pickier about the work you're taking. Hmm. I think that's a good beam of hope (laughs) for, for anybody that is kind of terrified of, Am I ever, ever going to get anywhere? I feel like you'll get there. Yeah, you'll you'll get there. <laughs> yeah, um, you will. You will. I really do. And I'm I'm not afraid of uh, machine translation. Um, <laughs> I uh, well, certainly in it in what I do, I don't think you can machine translate this, you know, dialogue and stuff or puns or you know things like that. But uh, 
you know, and I do want to do some more like medical type work, which, which I enjoy very much and I haven't done very much of it, but, um, you know, something that's a little bit more technical medical like that. Um, yeah, you could probably run it through a computer, but everybody has seen all the Google translate jokes, <laughs> you know, yes. and they said it got better. It is not that much better. It's not that much better. Um, no. So, you know, and it's, maybe it'll, there'll be a shift and now they're going to pay people to fix, you know, Google Translate. And I mean, I think for I'm years sure they, that's happening already. But yeah, um, I, I think as long as you are where in a general sense you want to be, you are in the translation field starting out, even if you want to be, you know, working on the next Square game, you can get there. You just got to work your way through, work your way through. Absolutely. Now, when you, um, this this might not be too relevant to your current situation, but um, I'm sure a lot of people when they start translating kind of get overwhelmed because there's so much you don't know um, and oh, yeah. you can never know everything. Um, right. Do you have any favorite resources or websites or maybe even books that you still today go to or do you just Google stuff that you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, nowadays, nowadays there's Google. Um there's a very good English-Japanese dictionary. I mean, I when you say there's stuff you don't know, do you just mean like an, like every day? Maybe like a pun. Like say there's a pun that you've never come across before. Yeah. How how do you look that up? I would probably Google it. I would like to be on. <laughs> okay. You know, and well, and the thing too, speaking of um, like assassination classroom or some other things that I've had to either translate like as a one-off episode sometimes I you know we we kind of pinch hit for each other at Funimation if one translator goes on vacation another one steps in for that week mm. and I man I did one that had all these references to all these classic anime and like you know mahjong anime and I'm like what Oof. is this <laughs> you know and and nowadays you know I like to say you know thank god for the you know the the heavy duty fans you know the otaku who will write down they have websites with all of these you know quotes on it is this is if this is a famous anime character's quote it's on a website somewhere you know and then so if I just put in this line it'll it will come up somebody said oh man I really loved when you know Yuki-chan said this in episode 48 of whatever and like thank you thank you nerd (laughs) (laughs) thank you nerd thank you nerd no it's but it's true it's um and I think you know, well, I also thank God for the internet because this would be impossible. I remember having my, you know, giant um, Kenkusha, what they call the green goddess dictionary, (laughs) you know, and I mean, I had the internet, but I had that, you know, that was right there beside me. And, um, you know, now it's, I still, I love it. It's still on my shelf, but it's on my shelf. You know, it's nowhere near where I am. I think it's important to have a good handle of, of the English language, if, if that's the language into which you're translating. Uh, I can highly recommend the Chicago Annual of Style. Mm. Also, Garner's Modern American Usage, which is another big, thick book. But, um, I mean, it, it doesn't cover, like, you know, poppy idioms and how to make your language, you know, really, you know, pop or sing on the on the page or on the screen. But just, just get it right. And really, if you have a question, refer to these, you know, well-loved, and respected reference works to tell you how to do it right. You know, your words are your everything. And and uh, this is kind of veering a little bit off topic, but I used to say that I was, um, people say, what's your specialty? What's your specialty? This is a big thing among translators. Well, what's your specialty? Oh, well, mine's patents, mine's medical, mine's, uh, you know, pharma, whatever. And I would say, well, I specialize in general translation and I get laughed at. 
because it sounds like how can you specialize in general translation and you know it's perfectly fine if if you go to medical school and you 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 know you are an md and then you decide you want to go into translation yeah well you know your medical stuff but if you if you really specialize in the language you can conceivably translate anything in that language you may not know all the little special terminology but you can look that up, mm. but if you have a really, really firm handle on the structure and the grammar and, um, you know, well, dialogue or, or whatever, if you have a really firm structure on the language itself, that is the same language that is used in pharma, in patents, in, you know, automotive, in, in whatever specialty. So I, I don't necessarily feel like I was at a, a disadvantage for focusing choosing to focus on the language itself and also in the English language so that, you know, I can create something that is, stands on its own. I, I talked to translators, you know, in Japan now, they were born in America. They've been living in Japan for all this time. They've got families over there and, and they're working in pharma, you know, on pharmaceuticals. They're working in, in, in patents. And I, I'll, I'll use a turn of phrase in English and they will look at me like I just like, oh, wow, <laughs> wow. You know, like, this is not weird. Have you forgotten how to speak English? Oh, we don't use stuff like that in, you know, in my line of work. And I'm like, it's the same line of work, you know, but it's not, it's, it's so, I'm like, I'm thinking, oh man, you're getting back into brake pads again. <laughs> so I guess this is maybe some some advice to someone who really doesn't know what they want to do, what kind of translation they want to do. Focus on the language. If you focus on the language, you can apply it to anything. And then it just it just turns into becoming familiar with certain terms. And then you're okay. good. Usually, mm -hmm. if you want to do this other thing that I'm about to mention, you really need to know the language well. Have you ever done any interpretation? I have done very, very little. Uh, once I interpreted for uh, General Motors, and uh, they had some, they had some people in. I think they were Suzuki car dealers mm. uh, from Japan, and they came in here. Of course, um, you know Metro Detroit. We took them down to the GM um, Technical Center, and um, they needed a few interpreters. And I said, okay, I'll I'll do it. And um, it wasn't very technical thankfully. Hmm. But um, I am not a very good interpreter because um, I, this is probably why I was like, I don't know, do I really want to do a podcast? Because I would prefer to really write things down and make sure I got it right. You know, so this is very seat of the pants for me. Uh, you know, I really want to make sure I heard it correctly. I, I got the work, you know, I got the words and I can, now I can work on getting exactly, you know, exactly the right English to get it across. And I don't want to say a half hour later, oh, actually, when I told you about the, um, you know, that part of the car, that's, well, well I kind of said it wrong. What I should have said is, because that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I can't, I don't want to have to think on the fly like that in, in this language situation um, when I can't go back and, and you know, backspace and, and fix it better. Because there are times, even now with my translations, that, you know, I type it out and then I, you know, sleep on it and I go, you know what, I wake up in the morning and say, I would rather use this term instead. Mm -hmm. Or I thought this phrase would be great. Look, here's some alliteration. Let's throw that in there. And you don't have that luxury in interpreting. I really respect interpreters who can think that quickly mm. uh, and really get it across. Um, I travel with my family. None of them speak Japanese except what they know out of what I like to say, self-defense. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
because I will just randomly say Japanese in in my day to day life, and they they respond now because they they know what I'm saying. Um, but uh, but I, and I can interpret for them, and just you know I'm watching TV and say, oh well, you know that's you're talking about this or that. But it's much more casual. I feel like there's mm-hmm. there's I mean not not to you know denigrate my family, but there's nothing on the line. You know I'm not getting paid, so that's about the extent of what I can do is, um, you know, tourism, I guess. Yep. <laughs> I totally understand that. I'm kind of, I kind of have the same kind of weird relationship with my husband where I'll, I'll say something or we'll be watching something and I'll just casually explain it to him. But, um, yeah. I, he's always asked, why don't you want to do interpretation? And I constantly say, because that's too much stress. I, if I made a mistake, I would hate myself for it yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't yes. be able to fix it it would be gone. Right. That moment's That's gone. <laughs> exactly at a hundred percent. Yep. A hundred percent. And, um, you know, and that's not to say that, that I, you know, go, go back over my work over and over and over my written work and try, Oh, I have to be a hundred percent perfect. I have to be, but you know, you always want to do your best and I don't always feel like I can do my best in that kind of spur of the moment mm. situation. Yeah. You, know? you need to and, have and some kind of special brain. <laughs> so, that's it's not for me, and I have uh, I have a lot of respect for people who can do that or who prefer to do that, which boggles my mind completely. Yes, I, but, uh, I do know a few. You. Yes, I know I know a few people who prefer interpretation. I just met this one person, and I'm constantly going, "Wow, you you want to do this? Like this is <laughs> not not anything else. This, um, but yeah. at well, least this shows that you don't have to be a jack of all trades. If you're not, maybe if you're not comfortable with speaking Japanese, you can still right. be a fine translator if you are very comfortable with Japanese and English comprehension. Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. I really don't think, I mean, certainly being able to speak Japanese is, is helpful when you are trying to contact maybe, uh, maybe you're cold calling, which is nowadays cold emailing, <laughs> cold emailing a client, maybe a new client, potential client, or speaking, you know, writing with somebody, but that's, that's again, that's, that's written. That's not spoken. Mm. Um, I, I had some very, um, I do want to say bad clients, but I had some clients early on who did not uh, respect that there was a 13 to 14 hour time difference between uh, me and Tokyo. And they would call me to say, we just emailed you some work. And I'm like, it's two o'clock in the morning. And I'll tell you what you can do with your work. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that sort of thing. Of course, you you know need very little Japanese to pull off that at you know that hour of the morning. But um, you don't need to... Sp- speak it if your speaking is not super great. Unfortunately, I, well, not unfortunately, but I see it's almost the other way around. When, when you speak, people seem to learn to speak Japanese and may not be as um, skilled at writing it. That's true. But I suppose if you are a translator, then you're going to put your, if you think you can be (laughs) a translator, so you want to be a translator, uh, (laughs) you probably have some level of, um, you know, skill and, and confidence in your, in your writing skills. So writing and reading. So it shouldn't be really a, um, too much of an issue if you can't uh, speak it, mm. I would say. Don't let that hold you back. Right. I think that's another one of those like little hope beams is, you know, if you, if you're the kind of person who doesn't have the money to go to Japan for a long period of time and practice your, your ability to speak, I know there's a lot of easy right. ways to get a, you know, a language tutor online or have sure. speaking partners. But if you don't have the ability to do that and all you really are interested in is stuff on paper, that that's not going to stop you. So don't let it stop you. No one's going to generally, no one's going to be like, well, you better talk to me on the phone first before I let you yeah, touch oh, my oh. content. <laughs> oh, 
no, no, not at all, luckily. Um, and like I said, I, I had very little uh, contact with Jap Japanese people at all um, for you know much of my early, early language learning years. And that's when I played video games and they weren't even voiced back then, but I could see how people spoke. I could see how dialogue, you know, and they have, you know, the, this is how an old man talks and this is how a girl talks. And, you know, you kind of, you pick up that kind of stuff, you know, slowly with my little dictionary, you know, but that's where I got my spoken, even though it was written, that's where I learned how people sounded when they spoke. And I mean, I think the longest I've ever been in Japan at any one time was, you know, was like five, six months. It was one term in my second half of my junior year in college. Um, but other than that, I've been there. I was there for a month for Square for um, for Kingdom Hearts 2. Other than that, it's been a week or two weeks here or there. And yeah, I've been like 25 times in the past 24 years or something. But it's always been, you know, this a little bit here, a little bit there. And I was speaking to a fellow translator. I overheard him say, you know, I, well, geez, I've only ever lived in Japan for six months. I, you know, I, I, and I said, six months, you know, he said, I don't know how I, I can't, these people must have. And I said, I, I, you know, that's, I've never lived here for that long. It's, I've only had five months under my, under my belt. And I think he was only a year. He said, and I said, year. So, and <laughs> he was shocked, but you can make it work. You don't have to be there, especially if your focus isn't on the spoken language. You can also, um, if it's available, you can get TV Japan uh, through your you know, cable or satellite provider. I don't know who offers it these days, but um, we have TV Japan, which is uh, Japanese TV for expats. So it's a lot of NHK. It's a lot of, um, you know, kind of popular variety soap opera kind of drama stuff and um, that's also very good for seeing how people speak if you're um you know if you're not about to travel but you want to get some of it under your belt mm. even if you don't want to go into interpreting um i can highly recommend that and in my case it's actually a tax write-off <laughs> oh yeah that's true when you're Space freelancing no. so many things can be tax write-offs oh yes <laughs> oh my <laughs> Um, so we're pretty much wrapping up, but I do, um, I do want to know if you, we've mentioned a lot of advice, um, for people who are maybe starting out being translators or maybe just thinking about it. Do you have any other advice, maybe advice someone gave to you or advice that you've just kind of learned over the years, um, for people who want to do this and just aren't quite there yet? Uh, one interesting piece of advice I was given was to give yourself the permission to lie a tiny, tiny bit. <laughs> when you present, say, yes, yes, I, I absolutely, I do work on, uh, on manuals. I do work on brake pad manuals. I do. And then they'll give you the work. And if that's what you want to do, say, that's, yeah, that's what I do. And they'll give it to you. And you can, I mean, it's, it's on the basis of, you know, you have to hopefully put your money where your mouth is, but even if you've never done it before and you feel like this is, you know, maybe it's not like a huge client that you're afraid of losing, but if it's a new person coming up to you and saying, well, you know, we've, we've got this manual, have you done this kind of thing before? You can say, sure, and take it. And this all ties into the whole, you know, take everything that comes your way when you're just starting out. But, you know, feel free, I think, in something that is kind of a lower risk to say that, you can do that. You are familiar with it. And it's not really to psych yourself out to, I can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
you you know it's learning through doing again it's you'll get that experience and if you really care about it enough if you care about that topic enough then i do believe i have experienced that that you will you can you can do it you'll i mean that's I love Japanese. People say Japanese is so hard. To me, it was not hard because I love it so much and it is something I really wanted to learn, I really wanted to use. And I think the same goes with don't be afraid to insert yourself into the specialization or the uh, the, the, the subfield that you want to work in because I think if you have the passion to go through with it, then uh, I think you could find yourself there. And I mean, not to be pat, but that's what happened to me. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, and for people who are kind of having that confidence issue, I think um, there's like so many TED Talks on this, but the fake it till you make it. um, Sure, yeah. Like don't outwardly lie. But if you're you're afraid and you feel like you're an imposter, that kind of, well, for me, that comes back throughout your life and your career. You can't let that stop you from doing this. Just find work and do it, even if, even if you've never done it, even if you're not sure, just like you said, just, you know, take that and take it as a challenge and, and meet it. Well, and especially, you know, if, if you're doing all this stuff, especially like I say, starting out and it's it's low, low rates and it's, you know, kind of clearinghouse agencies and mm-hmm. stuff. And you're just, you know, you're in that phase where you're just taking everything that comes comes along and you're like, yeah, I can do this. This is all easy. But, you know, if that if someone comes along and says, I have you know, your dream topic here. Mm. And, you know, and you look at it and said, well, it's, I've never done it before, but I, I really like to do, do it, <laughs> do it. This is, this is what you're supposed, this is how you get in. And, you know, even if you're a little afraid, you know, if this is not, if losing this client, if losing this job, if you absolutely donk this and it, you just do terribly on it, you can pick yourself back up and you can try again and you learned from it. And a lot of, a lot of clients and stuff are going to, are going to tell you what, you, you know, hopefully you can ask too, what did I do wrong if they didn't like it? And, and they'll hopefully tell you <laughs> and you can learn from it. You know, again, this is early on, this is early days. This is really starting out. Um, but yeah, don't be, don't ever be afraid to take, take the thing that, uh, you know, to, to follow your dream. Don't be afraid to follow your dream. But if, <laughs> if the situation pre- presents itself, take it. Yeah. You know, cause I mean, worst case, you know, that particular person will kind of, you know, fizzle out best case, you just got an in mm. and that road will now lead to, you know, your promised land of whatever you want to do. Your, your assassination uh, classroom dreams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, well, I have to do our, I, I think we kind of stopped asking people this, but usually to wrap up, we always ask, is there anything that you wish we asked that you would like to, that you wish you could tell people or that you were like, oh, I really wish you asked me this because I have a great answer. Do you have any of those? <laughs> when you were like, oh, I'm going to be interviewed. I want to say this. I, well, I think I covered it earlier. I think um, that don't be afraid to, you know, to specialize in generalization and mm. really focus on getting your language skills up to snuff. Because if you have the language, you can apply it to anything. And that I um, I translated a, a manga that is called Say Hello to Blackjack. And it's a very small manga and it, it, it has nothing really to do with the famous um, you know, Tezuka Blackjack manga, but mm. except that it dealt with uh, a young doctor and it showed the the problems inherent in the medical um, 
medical field in Japan, and it covered a few different, um, you know, a few different patients, and it used a lot of medical terminology, and and I I had wanted to be a doctor at one point, um, so and I just I said yeah I'm going to do it, and it was, you know, you ask anybody else and they'd say well that's a, that's a medical text for all intents and purposes. And and I spoke with the manga artist's um, wife, who herself is also a manga artist, and she said, how did you, you know all that medical terminology? I said, no, I have a dictionary. <laughs> I have a dictionary, and it fits into all of the, the language framework that I know like the back of my hand. So if do not be afraid, don't, if people laugh at you when you say, oh, I specialize in, you know, general translation. No, it's a perfectly good thing to, to focus on. And you may not know where your interests lie. You just know you want to work in translation. So focus on the language. And with that, you can go to all sorts of different places and you'll never be bored because you're not stuck working on brake pad manuals <laughs> and wanting to die. <laughs> Yes, please. If you if your if your current job makes you want to die, it I think that's a good sign that maybe you should start start this journey uh, to get out of there. Absolutely, life's too short. Yes. Life's too short for sure. Well, thank you so much for thank you being on our silly little podcast and for dealing with me and not our main <laughs> our main oh, po- no. podcastman. Not at all. It was a lovely experience. You're uh, you're very good at this. Oh, thank you. Don't tell him. Um, so um let's just remind everyone you've been listening to nora stevens heath and if you want to find her if people want to find you where should they go uh my website is fumizuki.com that's f-u-m-i-z-u-k-i um and that's actually the old japanese uh word for july and everyone says were you born in july no it's a pun (laughs) <laughs> uh, Izuki. Uh, I I like literature. The characters Fumi and then uh, Zuki, meaning uh, yeah, Suki like. So um, or you can just Google my name. I'm around. I'm in a few places now. Nora Stevens Heath. So and uh, yeah, drop me a line if you um, find me, and I'll uh, I'll write back. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Is that, that how the we wrap? Yeah. <laughs> I never usually we say goodbye in, in really awkward way, but I. Uh, whatever it was good that was awkward enough